We've been talking about this in our series in First and Second Peter. Peter has alluded to this concept of life being a journey. Life is basically a journey. We're passing through. We're really, as he would have put it, we're on pilgrimage. We're passing through to another location, to another destination. We're traveling through time and space to another destination. And so the real questions of life are, where are you going and who's leading you? Where are you going and who is leading you there? And this is so important because it becomes, these, the answers to these questions become the reasons why we do what we do. They become the reason we do what we do. And they're so important. We do what we do because we know where we are going and who is taking us there. In the Old Testament, the, in, uh, the people of Israel were led by this guy named Moses. Moses was called by God, and God called him to be this man that would lead the people out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses leads them out of Egypt by the hand of God. And it was a glorious, glorious salvation. But Moses was not the person who brought them across the Jordan River and into the promised land. No, it was a different guy altogether. Who was it? It was Joshua. Joshua was the guy that was the one who brought them across the Jordan River and into the promised land, the land that God was giving them. Now, the name Joshua is a powerful name, and it's a profound name. Perhaps it is the most profound name that there is. You say, really? Yeah, the name Joshua. Joshua is a Hebrew name that means this. Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh rescues. It is taken from two words, Yeho, Yahweh, which is Yahweh, God, and Shua, which means salvation or to rescue. And so Joshua is Yahweh saves or Yahweh rescues. Now, there is another person in the Bible who had the same name, but we don't know him by that name. We know him by the Greek pronunciation of the name. His name, Jesus. You see, Jesus is the Greek pronunciation of Joshua. And so just as Joshua means Yahweh saves, Jesus is Yahweh who saves. I want to talk to you about a passage tonight found in Luke chapter 8. And it's really where the disciples begin to learn that Jesus, who Jesus is, and that he's the one that's going to take them through life. So we want to take you to Luke chapter 8, verse 22, and the point tonight is this, let Jesus take you through life. Let Jesus be the one to take you through life. Let's pick it up in Luke 8, verse 22, it says this, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. 
But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let Jesus take you through life. Most of Jesus' life was spent in and around what's called the Sea of Galilee. And it's called the Sea of Galilee, but let me just tell you, it's really a lake. It's a lake, it's about seven miles across, but for whatever reason, we know it as the Sea of Galilee. We also know it by other names, Lake Gennesaret and other uh, and uh, the Sea of Tiberias. It's, it's had many names, but we know it as the Sea of Galilee. And this was the location that Jesus spent most of his life. If you read the Gospels, Jesus and his disciples spend a lot of time in boats. Now, if you're a boater, you say, amen, amen. I knew I liked Jesus. I knew I liked Jesus. He's, he was a boater. He liked boats. He liked to spend time in boats. He was so, Jesus was so into boats that... He, he even taught from a boat. There's a passage in the Gospels where Jesus actually sat in a boat and taught the people that were on the land. And uh, that's, I've, 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 I still have yet to do that, and we got to make that happen sometime, don't we? We need to make that happen because we got, we got a lot of water right here and a lot of boats. So we need to make that happen. But anyways, Jesus liked boats. The disciples, Jesus spent a lot of time in boats. So they come down to the lake and Jesus tells them, he says, look, we're, we're going to go across the lake. We're going to go across the, to the other side. And Jesus specifically, if, if you have a red letter edition, how many have a red letter edition of the Bible? Yeah, the red letters were the, the direct quotes of Jesus. And there's one little, there's actually two little sentences that are in red here, two little quotes of Jesus. One is, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And then the second one is, where is your faith? So Jesus says to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they get into the boat with Jesus, and he tells them, he tells them that they're going to go over to the other side. So Jesus is now going to take his disciples to the other side of the sea, and they're on a journey. And I think that this, uh, this little picture here, this little couple of verses, uh, we can look at it and look at it kind of as a picture of life. Because Jesus is asking us to get into the boat with him, and he's going to take us to the other side. We're going to ride all the way to the other side with him, and we've just got to believe him. We've just got to trust him. We've got to take him at his word. And so we can look at this little passage as a, a kind of a picture of the journey of life. Jesus is now going to take his disciples with him to the other side. And so the, the text here, it says they launched out. They got underway, if you will. And, uh, and so they got underway, and as soon as they get out there underway, there's a storm. It says a storm came down on the lake. And it's specific, it's very specific there. It does actually say that the storm came down on the lake. Uh, and if you know anything about the topography, the geography of the Sea of Galilee, it is literally, it's a, it's a seven-mile lake, and it sets literally, in, there's mountains all around it, it sets like in a bowl. 
And it is very susceptible to storms coming over the mountains and literally coming down on the lake. And literally in a matter of just minutes, a storm can kind of just brew up on the lake and it gets rather serious very quickly. And so the storm came down on the lake. I, I, I've actually been there and I can, I can kind of, you can kind of see how this could happen, how it could be that a storm could pop up very quickly. And so the, the text tells us that the storm comes down on the lake and it, it's rough. The waves were crashing into the boat. Water is filling the boat. And the text here says that the boat was in jeopardy. The boat was in jeopardy. Now, when I read this passage, when I read scripture and I come to, uh, you know, I, I look at every word and I, I look at every little phrase and, and I come to a passage like that and it says it was in jeopardy. It was in jeopardy. And, and, and it was, because if, if you know anything about boating, you can't have water coming onto the boat. You got too much water coming onto the boat, it's going down. That's what happened with Titanic, right? The iceberg opened up that side of the, the, side of the ship and it, all that water rushed into the ship and it sank. And so you can't have a lot of water into the water. The boat was in jeopardy. And we can go through life and we can have times where we might feel like we're in jeopardy. There's, there were people that felt like even over this past couple days that they were in jeopardy. Now, I know, I know that the media right now is getting a lot of criticism, right, because they, they, they were telling us, you know, I think a couple of the news anchors were saying, you're going to die, you know, if you, if you don't. Um, I will say this. I think in a lot of ways they say that because there's a lot of people that if they don't get out, they might put themselves in situations where it could get ugly, it could get dangerous, um, and so I think in some ways they're covering themselves and um, in, other, in other ways uh, they're getting it out there because if they don't say anything and then it does turn out to be the, the worst storm in the world, then they're going to take, the, take it on the chin as well. So I, I do think they do a, a good service to have everybody preparing for the storm. Amen? But as we go through life, there's, there's going to be times, there's going to be storms. There's going to be those things that come up in life. Life is not a, a, a primrose path. It's not a bowl of cherries. It's, 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 there's times when things come up and we, we feel the storm. And we might even feel like we're in jeopardy. It's in jeopardy. It's going down. This thing is going down. In that sense, the disciples were kind of in the eye of that storm. And we can find ourselves in the eye of the storm. Now, just the other day, a couple days ago, we found ourselves the eye was just a few miles from us. In fact, I was up in the middle of the night and I was tracking the storm and I pulled up the radar at about 5.06 a.m. and it shows the eye of the storm and then like Melbourne right here. And I took a screenshot of it and I'm like, the eye of the storm, we're not right in the center of it, but we're right next to it. So whether you're right next to the eye of the storm or you feel like you're right in the center of the eye of the storm, sometimes life is like that. And we can feel like we're in jeopardy. And it can be scary. The Bible tells us that Jesus is, was a man of sorrows. And I think what that tells us is that Jesus can actually relate to the things that happen to us as human beings. He can relate to times of, of feeling loss. He can relate to times of of. Uh, all type, types of human emotions. The Bible tells us that he was a man of sorrows. He knows what it's like 
to lose his father. Jesus, uh, obviously, we, we know from uh, Scripture, there was a time when Joseph was no longer there. So obviously, Jesus knew what it was like to lay his father to rest. Uh, Jesus knew what it was like to lose a close friend. He lost Lazarus. And the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 11 that he went to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it's perhaps one of the most famous passages of Scripture because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. John eleven thirty five. 35. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Well, a lot of people think, oh yeah, that, he wept on the cross. No, he didn't weep on the cross. He wept at the graveside of his friend Lazarus. And so Jesus knew what it was like to lose a friend. He knows what it's like to be forsaken by friends and betrayed. He knows what it's like to be sold out, sold, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He was a man of sorrows. And he relates to each and every person, each and every one of us. Some people might feel like in life, you know, they go through times in their life and, and they say, well, you know, God's supposedly supposed to be there for us and he's supposed to be this rock and anchor and shelter and all this. And, but, but, you know, where is he in all of it? And, and I don't know if he can relate. I don't know if he understands. I don't know if he knows what's going on. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible tells us the exact opposite of that. He knows what's going on in our lives. And he can relate to the situations that we go through. He was a man of sorrows. So here are Jesus' disciples. They're in the midst of the storm. They're in the eye of the storm. And they think they're going down. The boat is in jeopardy. So what do they do? They go over to Jesus, and here Jesus is taking a nap. Now that should tell us something right there. Because, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, how many slept all the way through the storm and never woke up? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. So, so you can relate to Jesus tonight. Yeah, you can relate to Jesus because Jesus was that guy too. Jesus was that guy. The guy where everyone else was up worrying, where's Jesus? He's asleep, you know? And had they not woken him up, he would have slept through the entire thing, right? He would have slept through the entire Storm. So they go get Jesus and they say, Master, Master, we're dying here. W wake up. What are you doing taking a nap? Don't you know we're, we're dying? We're not going to make it. This thing is going down. Now there's one person that you want to journey through life in, with. There's one person that you want with you when you're in the eye of the storm. Jesus, Jesus. What did Jesus do? He got up. He got up, he went to the edge of the boat, and he spoke to the winds and the sea. Be calm, be still. It doesn't tell us exactly what he said, but I imagine he said something like that. And what happened? The wind stopped. And the waves stopped. And verse 24 here tells us, and there was a calm. The wind stopped, the water stopped, everything went calm. Wow. 
amazing. So right there, we learn that Jesus is the guy. He's the one that we want to go through life with. He's the one that's going to take us to the other side. Amen? Now, Jesus, after the storm, Jesus, he asked the disciples a question. And it's a simple question. He says, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Now, the disciples had already seen Jesus do some incredible things. Right from the beginning, the disciples saw Jesus turn water into wine. It's considered his first miracle. An incredible miracle that he did in Cana of Galilee. They ran out of wine at the wedding, which was a major faux pas. You don't do that. So he asked these guys to fill up a whole bunch of jars full of water, large jars, probably 35-gallon jars, filled up about six of them, fill them up with water, turn the, all the water into wine. They brought the wine to the master of ceremony, and he said, wow, you guys brought out the good stuff now. I mean, most people bring out, you know, after everybody's had a little bit to drink, they bring out the, the bad stuff. You guys have saved the good stuff for last. Yeah, that's what God does. Amen. So among this and among other miracles, the disciples have already seen Jesus at work. And so I think the question that Jesus is asking, hey, don't you know who you're with? <laughs> Do you know who you're with? Do you know who's taking you through this situation? Where is your faith? Now, the reason Jesus questions their faith is because I believe and looking at this passage, because of what he told them before they got in the boat. Look back at that passage in verse 22. It says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Now look, Jesus didn't say, let's get in the boat and see if we can make it to the other side of the boat, the lake. Okay? Jesus clearly said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And here's the lesson that we can learn. That when Jesus says, get in a boat and let's go over to the other side of the lake, we can bank on the fact that we're going to make it to the other side of the lake. Amen? Amen? It's not going down because Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Amen. Jesus was going to cross over with them to the other side of the lake, and Jesus always does what he says he will do. Amen? He always, says he, will, he always does what he says he will do. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to be your God, I'm going to be your Lord, I'm going to be your Savior, he's going to do that. When he's going to be your protector, when he's going to be everything to you, he is going to be what he said that he's going to be to you, and we can count on that. And you see, this life isn't all there is. And so uh, even if we're brought to the point of death and we cross over and go through that doorway, we have a God, his name is Jesus, who's not just taking us through this life. He's taking us all the way into the next life, amen? So we have to look at it from that standpoint too. Sometimes people get narrow-minded because they get short-sighted. They get short-sighted in their lives, and so because they get short-sighted, they get narrow-minded about what God is doing in their life. And God is about this, that he's bringing us, he's brought us into his family, all those that have confessed him as Lord, and he's bringing us all the way to the other side 
of the lake, so to speak, into eternity. Amen? Now, if you study the New Testament, you realize that Jesus did not perform miracles just at random. Greater scholars than me have gone through the miracles in the New Testament, and they have discovered that each miracle that we have recorded for us, each specific miracle was not some random miracle, but that there was something specific that God was communicating to the people that experienced that particular miracle. Every miracle Jesus did always pointed to a higher spiritual lesson that he was teaching those who would listen. He tur- again, he turned the water into wine to show that God was to be the joy of man. That's kind of a picture of if you don't have God in your life, you don't have any wine. Amen? You don't have any joy. And joy, wine is a picture of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord. And Jesus is the one that's going to come in and he's going to give you joy and life to the full. Amen? Amen. And if you don't have God, you can have a lot of things and you can, you can fill your life up with every single thing that this life could offer you, but you're not going to have the joy of the Lord and you're not going to be with the one who's going to take you to the other side. Amen? So we see that in the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine. He also fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. This is found in John chapter 6, and it's an incredible, incredible passage of Scripture. But when Jesus did this, you can look at it and say, well, Jesus is just kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're out here. They need some lunch, and we can't send everybody away because it's too far to go to town to get some lunch. And so, Jesus, we need you to do something. We need you to do a, do a miracle. Now, on the surface, it looks like that's true, and that is true to an extent. But if you read the whole passage, the whole passage became a a point of education for anyone who would actually listen to what Jesus came to tell them. And what did he tell them in that scenario? He told them, I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the bread of heaven. And if you'll hunger and thirst after the the, the things that you actually need in your life, you're going to be okay. Don't just look for the next loaf of bread, the next piece of bread, the next free lunch, so to speak, is what he was telling them. He was saying, I am the bread of heaven. He healed the man born blind in John chapter 9 to demonstrate that he could give sight to people who were spiritually blind. And that is the case for every person that doesn't know Christ. And here, Jesus calms the storm to demonstrate to these disciples that he is the one that's going to take them not only to the other side of the lake, but also to the other side of the grave and into eternity. He wanted them to trust him. He wanted his disciples to trust him. He wanted them to trust his word, to learn how to, to, to listen to what he said with ears, to hear it and to trust it. And that's why Jesus, when he, when he wrote letters in the book of Revelation to seven churches, he ended each letter by saying this, let him who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the church. And that's what Jesus would say to us. Let him who has an ear to hear, let him hear what I am telling him and listen to what I'm saying 
and trust. Trust my word. Trust my word. Now, after this all calms down, the disciples were talking amongst themselves, and they're wondering. They're talking and wondering. Wondering and talking. What were they wondering about? What was it that what, was still on their mind? They wondered this. Who can this be? In other words, we, we don't really talk like that anymore. So if it was us, we were the, the disciples, we would have said, who, who is this guy? Right? Who is this guy? That, that looks over the edge of the boat and he speaks to the water and to the wind. Here we are, we're in the middle of a storm and this guy speaks to the storm and it calms it down. And so the question was this, who is this guy? Who is this guy? For he commands even the winds and water and they obey him. Now these disciples were Jewish men. They were Jewish men and they would have been familiar with the Old Testament. They would have been familiar with the Psalms, perhaps. And I want to take you to one particular psalm in the book of Psalms that we're looking at on Wednesday nights. I want to take you to Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. This is what the psalmist said. He said, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging sea. And when its waves rise, you still them. You still them. Amen? So these guys knew that the Old Testament told them that it was God who was faithful. It was God who ruled the raging sea. It wasn't Neptune. Right? You know, you, you go to Virginia Beach, right? You go to Virginia Beach and you go down the, the, the boardwalk there and you see they've got this. Now, I used to live in that area like 20 years ago and they, they didn't have this. But I've been back since and you go to Virginia Beach, right? I don't, Joe, do you even know what I'm talking about? They got this big Neptune statue. I'm like, when did this happen? When did they have a huge Neptune statue on Virginia Beach? Look it up. Google it right now. No, no, no. Later. <clears throat> I've got a picture of me and Chris standing right in front of Neptune. Because I was just like, what is this? You know, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta have a picture. It's not Neptune that rules the raging sea. It's God. It's the Lord. And now they're actually seeing that it's this guy <laughs> that they're with in the boat. This is the guy. This is God in the flesh. He's the God man. And he rules the raging sea. And he calms the waves. It's none other than Yahweh God. Yahweh who saves. Joshua. Jesus. Yahweh who rescues. Amen? He's the God who rescues you out of every storm. And Jesus is the one who's going to take you through this journey of life and take you all the way through 
because he conquered death and the grave, he's going to take you all the way through to the other side to be with him forever and ever and ever. And the call is for every single person is this. You have to, you have to answer that question that the disciples asked. Who is it? Who is this guy? Is it going to be someone that you read about, that you hear about from other people, or are you going to come to God, your creator, the one who made you, the one who formed you in your mother's womb and made you and knew you? Are you going to come back to the the God, your creator, who rules the raging sea and is the one who's going to take you to the other side? Will you make him your God, your Savior, your Lord? Will you go through your life, this journey, with Jesus at the center of your life? Because let's face it, people. If Jesus is in the sleep of the boat, in the boat, I want Jesus with, I want to be with Jesus. Amen? (laughs) I want to be with Jesus in this life. And, um, And that's why people can come. They can come to me. You know, Charles, are, are you nervous? Are you worried? Are you, what's going to happen? No, it's, it, we were talking about it, going through the storm. Because there was a little anxiousness. You know, when you've got, you know, Shepherd Smith and you're going to die. <laughs> right? We were talking about it. Sean, Sean looked at it and said, God's still on the throne, right? No matter what they said on TV, God's still on the throne. He didn't get up and come down off of his throne, did he? No, he's still there. And he's the guy in the middle of the storm that you'll find sleeping in the back of the boat. And I want to be with him. Amen? Amen. And I invite you tonight, I invite you specifically, I extend this invitation to you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and trust him and his word all of your days. And I will promise you this, you will never ever regret it for all of your days.